In a world of bus schedules and business calls, sidestep into a realm of Koigyu casting and kunans. Okay, people, get your geek on. Everybody, it's November fourth, two thousand eleven, and you're listening to episode sixteen of Knit One Geek Two. I'm Karen, and I'm Lucy in the sky with diamonds, and we're coming to you from the other side of the cotton candy cloud in Happyville. As Maggie is a little stoned this week because somebody's on some serious antibiotics. <laughs> yeah, we've had a serious chest and nasal congestion that's just been chronic in the family. Went to the doctor again, and I cannot pronounce half of the name of this antibiotic. But at some point today, my head turned into a helium balloon. It rose up off of my shoulders and was attached only by a very thin thread. And I had the thought of, maybe I should lie down. And that's when I called my husband. Yeah, I don't remember too much of this afternoon, but I'm pretty sure if there are alternate planes of existence that come near to crossing over ours. I'm pretty sure I visited several of them today <laughs> in my drug-induced sleep stupor. And we should probably clear up, your husband had the car today, Yeah, right? my husband had yes. the car. <laughs> Good thing you were not actually driving at yes. any point while on a and clarify, non-penicillin high. The, the other cruel thing about this medication is I can't have anything with dairy yeah. with it in my stomach begin, before or after because, and it, it won't make me retch or anything like that. The problem is, is that anything to do with calcium or magnesium will cling to the pill, preventing it from being absorbed into my bloodstream. So basically, you're telling me I can't have chocolate for yeah. about eight hours around this pill. Or ice cream. Or ice cream. You suck! Like I said earlier on in this week, you remember when being sick meant you stayed home under a blanket, you watched cartoons, and people fawned all over you, and you caught up with life when you felt like it. Mm-hmm. Life was good then. I don't know what the whole growing up <laughs> shit was for. I don't like growing up. I don't want to be grown up. No, I don't. Because it means I have to take really nasty medicine that they don't bother to flavor. And we got all sorts of rules for the medicine. And I actually got to try and keep up with life while I'm sick. Mm-hmm. It totally bites. And you were conked out all afternoon, so there was no knitting time. No, there was no knitting time. I can't actually verify that. I might have been knitting somewhere on the other side of Jupiter, for all I know. But sadly, those are not one of your adventures in knitting for this week. No, it is not. (laughs) It is not. And I do not recommend Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, please. Hopefully most of our listeners have a grain of common sense. Yes. Please put that in... This podcast does not... does not endorse the use of any kind of pharmaceuticals (laughs) without the express permission or, you know, instructions of a licensed physician. Alright, our butts are now covered. So... Adventures in Knitting this week. Stole was blocked. Yay! And like you said, long stole is long. And pretty stole is pretty. It is pretty. I'm very proud of it. I wore it to work one day just to show off. And the funny thing was, oh my gosh, this is like lace. It is lace. Oh yes, and by the way, we do have Podcast Kitty in the room with us again. Because Podcast Kitty has a home. Yes, Podcast Kitty has home here now. With Maggie we and are, Monkey. And Elfling. We are going to introduce 
the kitty to Elfling in the morning and see if the Elfling comes up with a name for kitty. Because this is going to be a creative, imaginative process for yes. him. So I'm curious to see what comes out of that. I think we should be taking bets, making odds <laughs> on what it's going to be. Iron Man is probably fairly high. Thomas, pretty much too. Mm-hmm. Thomas the Tank Engine. Never mind that he's a ginger tabby. So yes, Longstole is blocked. It is pretty... I took it to work. And people were suitably impressed? They were suitably impressed. And it's a good thing because if they weren't, I was going to thump them. They did ask the question, how long did it take? And I said, much too long. Yeah, I think that that's an adequate descriptor. I had, you know, blood, sweat, and tears put into this stole. And there was time when I needed to step away from it. It needed a timeout. Yes, it did. It needed several times out. But it will be going into a box and into the mail very shortly. The handsome mitten got about another inch on it. No puns. Thank you very much. (laughs) I have learned from this experience that color work is not my most favorite thing in the world. Maybe that's just the growing experience I need to... Yeah. To learn. I'll come back to it in a little bit. Everyone has their preferences, too. I mean... Because I know people who absolutely adore color work. Yeah. And it's what they prefer. Some people prefer that to lace. You know, it's all about what you prefer. So the Hansa is growing. And And considering... Yep. You're at the bottom of the thumb on that, right? Yes. And considering that is the last of my Christmas knitting, considering that I'm going to be seeing the person that I'm giving it to, my brother, on Christmas. I can be working on the plane. I can be working that straight up to Christmas if I need to. And the last thing is because I didn't feel like working on color work and I wanted to do something. And since I had frogged my last pair of socks, ribbit, ribbit, I cast on a new pair. Now, Sensei Karen dictated to me that for vanilla socks, I have a certain number of stitches to fit them properly. With now, a certain size of yarn and right, a certain size certain of needle. certain size of yarn, certain size of needle. I'm using a pattern. I'm using the Paper Moon pattern from Knitty.com from their Deep Fall issue of this year. It's got a lot of cables and some purling and knitting. Mm-hmm. So I'm giving it some... It's going to have some leeway, I think, to pull in a little bit. Yeah. So I'm giving, it, I'm giving it a little bit more on either side. You have a general <laughs> guideline of how big things need to be on certain size needles right. with general sort of fingering weight yarn. And then from there you can fudge depending on pattern and yarn and stuff. But at the moment I've only got the toe done and this was my vacation yarn from the summer when I went to visit Connecticut. And it is Ellen Cooper's Yarn Sonnets. These are hand-dyed yarns. The color is woodsy. And what's the fiber content of this one? The fiber is 65 merino and 35 bamboo, and it is 420 yards. It's really pretty. Very, It's very dark, but when you see it up close in the light, you can see there's various sort of shades in it. Yeah. It's almost like... It's got some little bits of gold, little bits of purple, and about three to four different kinds of greens. It's soft. I'm really liking how it's coming out. Yeah, it's really pretty. It's nice and shiny because of the bamboo, too. That's my latest project to cast on. So that is the uh, Paper Moon socks socks from Deep Fall issue of Nitty from this year. It was the issue where a lot of people had said, I don't know, I don't really see an awful lot in here. And we're like, hey, well, look at this and look at this. It's like, ooh, I like that one. I like that one. And one of the things about the pattern that I really did like is that it had a decorated gusset. So the gusset is a feature of the design, not just a byproduct of the construction. Yeah. I kind of like that. And it's the first time I'm going to be trying that. And I'm not going to tell myself these are for me. I'm going to pretend. Why not? I'm going to pretend they're for somebody else and then keep them. What, so you will actually finish them and not, you know, tear them out and do something else for someone else? Yeah, something lunatic like that. Yeah, so that's me. Okay. So, my adventures in knitting. I've been working on Mom's Stole, which is the Missy Shawl. 
by Kitman Figueroa. If I sound blasé about it, it's not because of the pattern, it's because I'm still working on it. It is longer than it was last week. It's up to... Again, no puns. What, like three and a half feet? Yep. And you want it at least a four, right? Or a little bit beyond that? Four and a half, maybe. So you don't have that So that's stretched, it's maybe like five and a half. Okay. Or, well, I don't know if I get an entire extra foot out of the length. Maybe almost five. I don't think it needs to be longer than that because my mother is a short woman. But I've sort of been... Gra- I've occasionally asked her to stand up and hold out her arms, and I've sort of stretched it along her arm span to see how it's fitting so far. But yeah, I, I don't have... Two too much more to go, I don't think. Maybe just a three more repeats, four more repeats of the pattern, but it's just, you know, just slogging my way through. I completely <laughs> empathize and understand. But thankfully, I have this entire weekend off. So Yay, I'm weekend! Spend, I'm hoping to spend some quality time in front of the TV knitting. Knitting and TV, and occasionally audiobooks. Yes. Good I have a whole crap load of podcasts I downloaded before I left for Kentucky because I wasn't sure, you know, how much time I was going to be spending at the airport and wanting to listen to stuff, that sort of thing. So I have tons of stuff to listen to. I downloaded when Craft Lit, which is a really awesome podcast. Basically what they do is the host, Heather Ordover, she talks about a little bit about what she's been doing in crafty stuff, and then she plays chapters of a book, usually a classic book, because of course you can get those from LibriVox, which is a site where volunteers record books that are in the public domain for, and then you can download them for free. She usually presents a chapter too, and she's an English teacher, so she'll often talk about different things that are happening in those chapters and stuff like that. So before I left, I down re-downloaded when she did Persuasion. That's just really. It's really interesting listening to her talk about, you know, the time period and how different things work and stuff like that. So I have lots of those that I can listen to and lots of other podcasts I can listen to while I'm working on this. Then meantime, because this is not bus knitting, I grabbed my Hexapuff bag and put that in my bag that goes everywhere with me. So I've been working on a couple Hexapuffs this week. And actually, a couple things in the Hexapuff category that I saw. I was looking at the tips and tricks thread on the Tiny Owl Knits group, and someone had posted a different kind of increase that you can use on the increase part of the Hexapuff, because in the pattern, it gives you a uh, make one increase, which is basically where you lift up the strand that runs in between the two stitches below and knit that twisted so that you don't get a hole. But what that does, especially if you're a tighter knitter, um, it tends to pull yarn from the stitches on either side of it, which shortens them. And that can make your increase section shorter than your decrease section. It also gives you that little hole underneath. No, not not if you're doing the make make one correctly. Whereas someone else suggested do a yarn over on the row where you'd usually increase. And then on the next row, you twist the yarn over. Okay. And what that does, it's basically the same thing as doing a make one. Because when you're doing a make one, you're lifting up the bar. You're creating Very true. a strand of yarn that goes over the top as if you had done a yarn over. So instead, but, you're setting aside yarn for that yeah, maneuver. You're setting aside yarn for that, so you're not taking it from the other two. And I've done it a few times now, and it's nicely even, and it's not creating holes and stuff as long as you twist it. In the post that I saw in the group, someone had a certain way to make it do sort of left slanting and one way to make it sort of right slanting. I found with the right slanting one, it was a pain in the butt trying to figure out what strand I'm actually supposed to knit into. So I just do it both the regular yarn over. To do the right slanting decrease, you would do the yarn over backwards, which means you have the yarn at the back from knitting the first stitch. Then you pull it to the front. And then pull it through and the And then needles. Ar- underneath the needle right. to the back. And that tends to pull the back of the first stitch over the top of the needle. So it gets kind of confusing about where am I supposed to stick the needle when you're doing the next row. Right. So I just, I just did the regular yarn over 
because I've done it before on stuff and I haven't noticed a huge difference. But in... you're happy with the results so far? Yeah, it looks, it looks, you know, it still angles the right way. I don't know that you really need to make a angled increase. Or at least, you know, if it does make a difference, it's not a big enough for one for me to care. <laughs> I mean, like, it looks fine. I'm going with it. Oh, and then other in other Hexapuff news, I had seen a while ago someone talking about suggestions for storing their Hexapuffs, and someone was using a glass vase to store them, which I thought was awesome, because it kind of displays them as well. My only problem with using a glass vase is this, for a similar reason, I would not want to use a basket, because I have a cat. And cats mean lots of cat hair. And while a basket would be more of a problem, because if there is a basket in the house... My cat wants to sleep in it, and therefore my cat would want to sleep in the hexabuffs. Even if it was a vase, it's still open, and I'm sure cat hair would get into it. Um, so I was looking around for something that was like had a lid on it, and I did sort of see a couple things that maybe sort of looked like a, a fancy kind of old-fashioned candy jar. Or apothecary jar? Yeah, apothecary jar that has like a glass lid on it. But the ones I saw were very large, and I didn't want to have to lug them home on the bus. And at the time, it was like, do I really want to spend the money for this? No. And then this past week, I went into Winners, which for America, and international listeners. You probably have a store similar to this. But basically it's where store they buy up merchandise from other stores that hasn't sold. So sometimes it's really nice stuff. Yeah. And it's just like the end of the season. They just you know, want to get rid of it. Sometimes, Sometimes it's, it's a like, little odd. dear God, what were these people thinking? Yeah. But one of the things I found there was an enormous five liter hermetic seal jar. Nice. Like, you can imagine, like, jars that you use for canning that have, like, latches on them. One of those, except it's five liters. So it's, like, a foot tall. Yep. And, like, maybe eight inches in diameter. It's big. (laughs) And so it has the nice latch on top. I can close the lid. Cat hair stays out. And it's now a home for hexapuffs? Yep. I have a few hexapuffs in it already. Yay. So, Canadians... Do you know how many you have? I haven't counted. It's nowhere near... Like, I... I have under 20. So Canadians, you might want to check your local winners or home sense and see if they have something like this. I found this in the, it's in the kitchen storage sort of section. They also had a lot of really interesting vases and stuff like that. But And I was at Michael's today and they had a lot of really interesting and really big vases and stuff. But of course the bonus to getting it at winners is it was eight bucks. Yep. Which compared to like 25, 30 for some of the vases I saw at Michael's. Yeah, I know. Yes. Sounds like a win to me. Okay, shall we move into Geek Squee? Oh, how's Pottermore? I have not been on Pottermore recently because I have barely been home the last few weeks. And when I have been home, I have been tired and not wanting to like go on Pottermore when I'm extremely tired, not wanting to do... Because that's when you blow up cauldrons? Yeah. And two, it'd be like, I get on there, I would get on there at like 11 at night if I went on. And I'd have to be in bed at midnight. And potions actually take a fair bit of time in real time to do. Or, you know, even if I didn't have to go to bed at midnight, if I get on there at like 1130 at night, I don't want to start doing a potion and have to stay up and wait. So I'm just like, I will wait until I have had more sleep and have a little more free time. And then I will do more Pottermore so I can actually enjoy it and pay attention to it. And actually thinking of Pottermore and other pottery things, I was just reading tonight that apparently the McGonagall Snape fight in the Deathly Hallows Part 2, the movie, the fact that it's in the movie is thanks to J.K. Rowling. And not just because she wrote it that way. Apparently in the first draft of the script, it was supposed to be Harry and Snape, which does make a lot of writing sense and which then would make things rather interesting when certain things happen after that. (laughs) 
it would make it a little more emotionally poignant, but then McGonagall wouldn't have her moment of supreme awesomeness. Yeah. And apparently when JKR saw that, she was like, ah, no, McGonagall really needs to have the moment of awesome. Thank you very much. And we agree. Yes, we totally agree. Firstly, because McGonagall is awesome. Yes. And it would suck to have her not have the moment of kick-assery when she duels Snape. And also because it's always nice to see a strong female character being badass. But also because, especially with the backstory information that we get about McGonagall in Pottermore, but even in the, you know, the stuff that we learn about her in the books too. It's nice to see her have that moment where she can do something yeah. about Dumbledore's death to get back at the person who In her eyes. Yeah. yeah. And someone that she had trusted and that Dumbledore had trusted and who she has now had to work with for the last nine months and not you know, kick his ass. And now she can open up a can of whoop ass. Yeah. And which kind of shows that, you know, that desire for revenge that loss when Dumbledore died isn't just Harry's. It's McGonagall's and other people's too. And which, um, as the Mary Sue mentioned, in a broader sense, you know, it's sort of an something that illustrates that this isn't just Harry's war. This is a war that affects everybody in the wizarding world. Right. I mean, that including along with Molly and Bellatrix and all the other things we see that, you know, this is not just, it's not just about Harry defeating Voldemort. It's about everybody else getting involved too. So I'm so glad that she kept it. And like I said, I I can see the artistic reasons to change it because, you know, obviously that makes things interesting with Harry and Snape and everything like that. And I mean, I can also see sort of a practical reason because Maggie Smith has been undergoing chemotherapy for breast cancer. So, you know, maybe when they're writing the first draft of the script, they might not know how much Maggie would be able to do in the movie. You know, whether she'd be able to do an action sequence like that. And then she turns out to be majorly badass and does it anyway, even though she's been doing chemotherapy for the last year. I still love that look on her face like a schoolgirl. I've always wanted to use that spell. But yes, I'm really glad that J.K.R. stuck to her guns and kept that in. Because it just wouldn't have been the same. Let's see. In other movie news, we are hearing that there is going to be a new Men in Black 3 coming out in May of 2012. And yes, they will have Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. Because obviously, without those two, Men in Black don't really exist. Yeah, that's the main thing. I, that's, I think that's the first thing most people would want to know. Because, I'm sorry, Men in Black without Tommy Lee Jones yeah. just will not be, would not be the same. No. I'm sorry, no. If he had was not in it, the chances of me actually seeing that movie would go way down. Also, in the news recently, Johnny Depp was on a near plane crash. He was flying, sitting with Bruce Robinson, who's a director or producer, I believe. I guess. I don't recognize the name off the top of my head. And all of a sudden, all of the engines cut out. Oh, that's not something you want to hear when you're on a jet. <laughs> no. And actually, I don't know if they were on a jet or if they were on or a small... On any kind, or, on any or, kind even, of or even a propeller plane. Like, you don't want to hear that. No. Dead silence is not something you want. And they both looked at each other and, you know, there was this discussion, is this the way it's going to be? And apparently the two of them found some sort of humor in it going, this is crazy. This is just a little Mm -hmm. bit ludicrous. But thankfully, the engines did cut on again and the plane relifted. There's a moment where an alternate universe is created. (laughs) And Johnny Depp said, you know, Bruce and I now have a little bit of a bond because we just narrowly got out of death from that situation together. Dude, I would so need a change of pants. Yeah. Yeah. Johnny Depp in the seat next to me or not, I would so need (laughs) a change of pants. Yeah, I I think most people would. And then to get that horrific idea out of our heads, both the thought of what could have happened to Johnny Depp and 
also the thought of, oh God, what if I was on that plane? Let's go to the happy, happy place. Early, just earlier, I saw on U- a YouTube clip of an interview on CBC's The Hour with George Strombopoulos. Don't ask me to spell it because I don't think there's anybody in Canada who could spell that name. <laughs> Everyone knows who George is. Nobody can spell the last name. But he was interviewing Kermit the Frog. Like, At- seriously interviewing yeah. Kermit the Frog. Like, asking him, what was it like to work with Jim Henson? And about him and the whole Miss Piggy thing. And, you know, basically doing a serious interview with a Muppet. That's something I've got to see. It I- was really, it was actually really sweet. It's After a little while, you just completely forget that he's a Muppet. Especially if, like me, you're then clicking through your email and doing other stuff and you're just listening. And I love what you had mentioned about, they asked him about Miss Piggy and he said, yeah, I've always been attracted to mammal girls. Yeah. And that was hard on my folks, but... Yeah. He says, you know, it was it was kind of... He said something about it being, you know... I think he said something about it being kind of nerve-wracking when he went to tell his parents about how he liked mammal girls, but they were really understanding and just understood. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, Kermit. Way to go. Frankly, I don't know why he puts up a piggy. Yeah, I don't know. Man, what do you see in piggy? Seriously. Okay, anyways, moving on. (laughs) Including other things that we just like to go, okay, whatever, moving on. The Kardashian wedding fiasco. Okay, moving on. Yeah. (laughs) Lindsay Lohan going to jail. Okay, moving on. Don't care. For anybody in the ebook store consumer demographic. The Google ebook store is now worldwide. Yes, Google has had an ebook store, but it is now available worldwide on all of the e-readers, except for the Kindle, yeah. because Kindle doesn't support the EPUB format. Yeah, because Amazon uses their own proprietary format because they want you to buy their books. Actually, no. it's only just in the last like two months that users in the U.S. have been able to borrow library books. You still can't do it up here, which makes it fun at work when people want to borrow books and we ask them what they are, what they have, and they say they have a Kindle. And you have to, and we have to say, sorry, you're kind of out of luck. And actually, thinking of ebook news, the Kobo Vox is coming out, and it's actually more of a tablet than any reader. It runs on the Android platform, so you'll be able to get Android apps. I think it's just started shipping within the last week. I really want to see it. Every time I go to chapters, I check and see if they have one yet, because I really want to play around with it. It's color screen. It's like 200 bucks Canadian, and I would be seriously tempted. I feel so out of date and my Kobo's only like five months old. (laughs) Well, I've been thinking like if my e-reader ever really crapped out, I have a Sony. Right. Uh, Sony PRS 505. It's like a few years old now. I've been thinking for quite a while that when mine broke, I would probably get a Kobo. This one makes me kind of want to get a Kobo now. Like not wait for it to fall apart. <laughs> I could even have it as a backup sort of e-reader because when I looked at the Kobo Vox stats, I think it's the battery life's only supposed to be about seven hours. Okay. Which might not be long enough. Though I'm sure that depends on usage and stuff too. But yeah, so I might actually, within the next couple of weeks, I might actually be able to tell people kind of what the Kobo Vox is like. Cool. They have one in the store, and I can play around with it. Cool. Oh, and thinking of other new things, our movie news. They have released new information about the next Bond movie. Woohoo! Yay! Yeah, the the movie has been sort of stalled in pre-production for quite a while because of MGM's money problems. But they have finally started filming. It should be coming out in November 2012. And they're saying it's it'll be called Skyfall. And apparently the title has something to do with the plot being about something in M's past that has come back to cause trouble. Which hopefully means a lot of Judy Dench. Yes. Because Judy Dench is 
amazing. More Judy Dench, more Maggie Smith. It can never be a bad thing. And I love her as M too. She's so good. And then in addition to her, they announced that uh, Javier Bardem and Ray Fiennes are going to be in the next movie. Yay, Valdi! Woo, Voldemort! Voldemort needs a new job now, you know. Voldemort, 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 Voldemort. <laughs> Apparently Javier Bardem is going to be the bad guy. The main villain. I don't remember if they mentioned what sort of part Ray Fiennes would be playing, but he usually ends up playing bad guys. So I don't know if he's going to be some other kind of earlier on villain or or, yeah, something like that. Okay. Or someone, maybe, I could also see him being sort of like someone in the government or something causing problems for Bond. I could see that. Maybe not like villain villain, but you know, someone who's making their, making their lives difficult because, oh, I can picture him in like a well-tailored suit. Business suit. Being. Being snooty. Snooty and evil. That would rather nice, actually, yes. Oh, and then in other movie news, which also ends up being sort of a blast of the past, how many people out there remember watching or playing Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? I played the video game. (laughs) I remember playing the video game a little bit, but mainly I remember watching the TV show on PBS and screaming at the screen (laughs) when people didn't know the answer. But apparently Walden Media, who has made the Chronicles of Narnia movies, they have acquired the rights to Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego for a live action feature length film. I'm wondering what countries they're going to touch with. Yeah. Well, they mentioned in the description for it that it might be sort of a national treasure slash Thomas Crown affair sort of thing, which sounds like it could be really neat. I really like the sounds of that because I did like the National Treasure movies. Yeah, sort of adventure and travel and... History Mm -hmm. and culture. Dear God, culture. Careful there. I kind of want to play that game now. I know there's there are emulators online you can get where you can play like old computer games. I kind of want to play it now. And now I have the theme song from the TV show stuck in my head. As does everybody else. You're welcome. And then also thinking of childhood things, I found a series of videos on YouTube posted by a chemistry teacher. Oh yeah. Named Chris Bergman. He teaches at Kennard Middle School in Fort Collins, Colorado, and he is quite possibly the most awesome science teacher ever. The video I found initially was called Explosive Pumpkin Carving. Now, if that doesn't perk your interest, (laughs) you're on the wrong podcast. Yes. Basically, what it looked like is he had sort of cut out or partly cut out a face, like a traditional jack-o'-lantern face in a pumpkin, but the pieces were still set in the pumpkin. And he's doing all this, he does all this in front of his students. He combines a couple chemicals, and as he's talking, he says that they're creating a flammable gas inside the pumpkin, and he's got the lid on the pumpkin. Right. So it's confining the gas. Yeah. Then he gets one of those long sort of barbecue lighters, sticks that in the back of the pumpkin, and lights her up. Boom! Boom! All the pieces of the face just come shooting out. And you hear the kid, when he's getting ready to light it, you can hear one kid in the background going, holy crap! And then when he makes the thing explode, there's all these screams from the kids. I could just imagine. You can tell the, they're delighted screams. The uh, the face of the pumpkin after all of this, you know, is sort of semi-apologetic going, ah, oh, sorry, that was gas. Yeah, and there's actually, he's got quite a few videos on YouTube and on his site, his website. His website is Bergman Science, B-E-R-G-M-A-N-N, science.wikispaces.com. Or if you go to YouTube, his YouTube 
YouTube name is C Bergman, again, B-E-R-G-M-A-N-N, one, two. And you can find all his videos there. And there's one that's actually a compilation of all these different demos, especially like Halloween-y demos that he and another science teacher at the school have done. And they're amazing. You watch this and you're like, these kids are so lucky to have this teacher. With more teachers like that, we would get more kids clambering to get into... NASA or, you know, to unlock new fields of science and whatnot. Because, at least from what I have watched of his videos, it seems like he's really explaining the science behind it, but also demonstrating it in a really fun way that really engages the students. There was another one where he was showing, um, trying to remember my science now, I believe it was Galileo's principle really when it comes to falling objects that two objects dropped at the same time even if they're different weights they will fall at the same rate okay I, barring I any sort of wind barring you know wind resistance and stuff like yeah, that I know the principle but yeah. so it looks like it looks like they were in their high school gym and that in their high school gym it looks like they have like a little balcony sort of thing so they had one student with a little sort of table trap door on the balcony and then they had padding down below and he had a golf ball and a bowling ball. On the table. And on the count of five, the kid pulls the trap door and both of them fall. And the bowling ball bounces quite a bit when it gets to the floor. You can see a couple kids jump back as it rolls towards them. But it's really amazing to watch these. It's really fun. And this guy deserves a lot of notoriety for what he does. Good. Making it fun to learn in school. Yeah. Good. As do as does any teacher yeah. who does this stuff. There was a lot of videos on the sidebar that I didn't get a chance to look at, but go look at them, because there are some teachers doing some awesome things. We do. With this, not a lot of budget and not a lot of this support. This podcast does support awesome teaching. Yes. Yay for awesome teachers. Oh, before you move on, I just wanted to mention that we did see a lot of the posts that were made, and oh my god, the Death Star pumpkin. Yes, oh my god, the Death Star pumpkin. That was I awesome. I mean, obviously, the costumes that I've that people have posted and stuff are really cool, and I have replied to a lot of those with people saying, telling people that they are really cool, but I have to admit, the Death Star pumpkin, I squealed. Out loud, and I'm not really a Star Wars fan. That was so cool. All you need is some sort of Lego-sized Ewoks to be sort of, like, suspended in air. If you want to see what we're talking about, go to our Ravelry Ravelry group at Knit One Geek 2 and look in the thread for episode 15. You will not be sorry. Yeah. And then think about other, thinking about other things that made me squeal out loud. Earlier this week on Blog Her, that's B-L-O-G-H-E-R, there was a post about the Star Trek quiet book. And quiet books are, you might remember from when you were little, you know, sort of cloth books that have buttons and snaps and ties and other little things for, you know, very young children to manipulate. And learn to use their fingers, dexterity and Yeah, as well as getting used to turning pages of books and other sort of things like that. This one has a Star Trek theme, specifically a Star Trek Next Generation theme. And there's lots of photos of it, basically a photo of every single page. And so in this case, you open up the book and it says, you know, to boldly go where no, no one has gone before. You turn the page and it says, meet the crew. And you see the doors on the Enterprise and they're connected with a zipper. You unzip it and there's little finger puppets of the next gen crew. There's like a little Picard finger puppet and Worf and Jordy and Worf's got little embroidery. embroidery on his forehead. <laughs> 
It's so adorable. And it's got all sorts of little things for kids to do. There's one page where it's like, detach the saucer section. Yep. Or help Jordy see. So yep. you put his visors on him. Yeah, and they connect up with snaps. and Or you can unbutton little... Set phasers to, to stun. stun. That was a good yeah. one. You can unbutton the little things that you're shooting. Or there was... One of the really cute ones was... Turn Picard human again. That's right. So it's got little felt. The whole thing is made of felt. Yeah. And so it's got little felt pieces to make him Locutus of Borg. And then little felt Uniforms. Starfleet uniform yeah. with that attached with Velcro so you can take them on and off. It is adorable. Probably lost on the average 12-month-old, but the parents don't care. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's in that case, it'd be fun for the 12-month-old to manipulate the stuff. Oh, yeah. And it'd be fun for the parents to, like, interact with the kid. Let's face it. You know that after that child goes to bed, daddy is going to be there going (laughs) he's got the finger puppets on. And the pattern for it is available on Etsy so that you can make your own. It's the user Julie Bell. So J-U-L-I-E-B-E-L-L on Etsy. And she also has a Jedi quiet book. One One of the things of which is helping free Princess Leia Yes. By untying I mean, a shoelace yep. that's going through one of her, you know, slave out costume elements. It's seriously adorable. Yes, oh uh, I'll grant you it is. <laughs> then speaking of things that we love, let's move on to cravings, covets, and crushes. And one of the things I have been crushing on a lot for weeks now, <laughs> which I really want to make, is Dr. Watson's cabled crew neck. In the BBC Sherlock series, which as you guys know, Maggie and I both love, Watson wears this Aaron sweater in a few different episodes, I think. And so Trudy Brown, or rivalry named Trudy B, that's T-R-U-D-I, she has actually reverse engineered yeah, this. Yeah, reverse engineered the sweater from watching the TV show. So she hasn't created like a strict pattern for it. It is a free pattern because basically it contains the stitch patterns. Um, it shows how they are put together on the original sweater. And I think there's instructions for the sweater in one size. And then she has a guide on how to make different sizes from that. So unless you happen to be a 38-inch chest, you will have to do some fudging. Actually, there are instructions for doing it in the round by Trudy B. And then Ravelry user Severus Snape uh, has done instructions for knitting it flat. So you can do it either way, which is nice. I think I would be doing it in the round. And I really, really want to make it. Of course, I would have to, you know, do some figuring out of size and things. Though I'm thinking, like, if I could get a pattern for a plain sweater for my size, right? that would give me... The number of stitches. And then from there, it's just plugging in the different cable patterns. You don't think that the cable patterns would suck up a little bit of weight? They will, but I can work with that. Again, like if I have, but if I have the, the stitch numbers, I can add maybe a couple stitches here. Okay. And, and I would probably fudge it a little bit too. I might do a little bit of shaping on it too. Because I'd probably have some sort of side panel, which was like a plain stitch, like, you know, moss stitch or something. Yeah. Though, where I could do some shaping too. But it looks really nice. It looks, it's a, looks like a perfect, you know, curled up on the couch or walking around on a fall day, warm, cozy sweat. And I don't have the yarn for it at the moment. At the moment being the... The operative term. Yeah. But I really want to get some for it. (laughs) I've got like a sweater amount of yarn, but I don't think I want to do it in that color. Okay. Because the original is in sort of an oatmeal color. I don't want to do it in the oatmeal color because I don't think that would look terribly good on me. But I would love to do it in like a heathery, dark olive green or heathery navy blue. Yes. Again, sort of a dark, kind of masculine color. So it still sort of fits, but not plain oatmeal. Well, that's fair. And you can knit it while we're watching the next next episodes. Yes! Because we're going to have a Sherlock party. Oh, yes. Actually, that's...
that's kind of a plan now in my <laughs> head. Get yarn in this month, not this month, current month, but if I get yarn in December or January. How long do you have to knit the sweater before the episodes come out? I wouldn't do it. No, I wouldn't do it before the episodes come out. I would do it as we are watching the episodes. Okay. So that the sweater can absorb some of Watson. The Sherlockiness. And we'll drink lots of tea. And I did have sort of a moment of temporary insanity on Halloween where I kind of thought of doing this sweater or any other sweater for Nanaswimo. Mm-hmm. That's National Knit a Sweater Month. And then I managed to talk myself down. You came down away from the edge of the crazy. Yes. Because, I mean, I saw a p- bunch of people on Twitter talking about like, ooh, Nanaswimo starting. And part of me was like, really wanting to get into that. But then I reminded myself, it's Halloween. You have not swatched Anything. for a sweater. You have not even decided what pattern to do, much less swatched for it. Which, I should elaborate, uh, National Knit a Sweater Month, it's basically sort of a takeoff on National Novel Writing Month, NaNoWriMo, where your challenge is to write a 50,000 word book in a month. Except in this case, it's to knit 50,000 stitch sweater, or knit a sweater, or knit 50,000 stitches, whichever way you want to do it, depending on your size and everything. 50,000 stitches is enough for a sweater for me, if not more. I know this because I did it last year, and I logged. I did serious math to figure out exactly how many stitches I had knit in every row and log like the amount of time. I had a spreadsheet where I was logging the number of stitches that I could keep track and know that I would go over 50,000. Crazy pants. Yeah, it it was kind of crazy pants. And basically I managed to do it because bear in mind, I am a plus size. Knitting a sweater in a month is kind of a challenge when you are a plus size and you are not using like bulky yarn because bulky yarn tends to not look good on bulky people. So I managed to do it, but it was because that was the only thing I knit that month. And I spent hours knitting this thing. I think I actually clocked it at like 56 60 hours, something like that. Wow. It was basically like, if I was sitting down in front of the TV, I was knitting. If I was on the bus, I was knitting. Every moment I had, I was knitting on the sweater. And so this is why I talked myself down. Because I knew I have mom's stole to finish. Yeah. And I know that I am already at the point where like, I'm working on that quite a bit at the time. And I really want to work on other stuff. I do not want to start another project where as soon as I finish the scarf, I am going to be working on only that project for the next few weeks. I need to be able to, to experiment with other patterns. <laughs> that whole open relationship yes. thing. I need to get the open relationship back. So yes, no NaNoWriMo for me. And no NaNoWriMo for me either. It's I know always, myself way too well to try and do that. It's always good to cheer from the sidelines. Yeah, And, and, then, and then go and date the athletes afterwards. Yeah. I am doing uh, something called Mifu, which is write something you miserable fracker, As, except not fracker, which is basically just like where you, you try and write 10 minutes every single day and then you check in and everything. But yeah, I am not going for the, the knitting challenges because yeah, that's not such a good idea this month. And that would just be knitting for me. Then there's those other people who actually knit for other people. Yeah, well, you know, (laughs) they're crazy pants in their own special kind of way. Yeah. And that way leads a lot of booze, chocolate, and other existential experiences when you're finally done. Yes, because there's how many more knitting days till Christmas? I don't know, but probably not enough. I think sometime a few days ago, it was sometime last week or a few days ago, it was something like 52, 54 days. I think Halloween marked 54 shopping days. Which is not the same as 54. For knitting days. But. No, that's that's true. Though, but, of course, um, and if you are doing any Hanukkah knitting. Yikesomatic. <laughs> I hope you have started by now. Yeah, basically, at this point in time, if you are doing Christmas knitting for people, I hope you have started. At the very least, I hope you have planned, you have chosen your patterns, 
and you have said yarn. If you have not done any of the above and you still wish to knit for people, you have our blessing. Tell us how it goes. Start stocking in the coffee and the booze now. Yep. For quick Christmas gifts, I knit this for my sister-in-law this year, the Greyhaven cowl. I fully endorse it. It was really fast knit and it was done with worsted weight. Mm -hmm. So it went across real fast and it came out looking beautiful. And not that I knit them myself, but the French press felted slippers I've heard repeatedly from a lot of people and I do believe Yarn Harlot has done this uh, herself. Yes, I think I remember seeing those on her blog first. Yeah. Which is probably why now there is a lot of people who yeah. <laughs> who love this pattern. This pattern has become well known for being sort of the last minute, a hand knit for somebody. And they are insanely cute. Especially the one with the snowflake on the back. I know! There was one that, in the Ravelry pictures for it, there's one where it basically sort of has a, a very wide strap across the top, a little like a Mary Jane, and it, usually you put a decorative button on there, and one of them had a snowflake. It was beautiful. It's it so, was cute. so cute. Yeah. So, if you're looking for other quick projects, there's also things like there's the One Skein Wonders books. Yep. Some of which will have quicker things if you're looking at one skein of like worsted or bulky weight sort of thing. Yeah, they have things Maybe like... not the one skein of lace weight no, projects. No, not a good idea. There's also the Last Minute Knitted Gifts book, which for the life of me, I cannot remember the author's name at the moment, but I will put it in the show notes. And I know that's one we have at our library, so other people might want to, you might want to check your local libraries. But we want to know from you, are you doing Christmas knitting for other people this year? And if so... Or other holiday knitting. Or other holiday knitting. Solstice knitting. Yep. What are you knitting, and what would you recommend for somebody who wants to do Christmas or festive knitting? Do you have any patterns that you know are really fast knits for the, oh dear God, I forgot about this person? And of course, if you're looking for, like, really fast knits, of course, accessories are probably the way to go, you know, especially ones that aren't terribly complicated, like hats. Mittens, fingerless mittens. Yep. Depending on how fast you knit, socks or leg warmers are coming are back in. I kid you not. I've seen leg warmers all over the place. Yeah, I've seen them in. It depends. For me, it depends on the leg warmers. Yeah, that's true. And how cowls cowls are huge. Don't go for the scarf. Go for the cowl. Yeah, unless you're doing, say, again, a slightly larger yarn for a scarf, wouldn't be too bad. But a cowl would be finished earlier. And there's a lot of pretty ones for cowls, like lacy ones that are still in like a bulky weight or worsted weight or whatever. So they will still keep you warm, and they will still knit it quickly. So. There's lots of there's lots of nifty options, and of course, Ravelry is your friend. Yes, it is. If you are short for time and short for cash because of impending holidays, there's always the free button on the advanced pattern search. And then, of course, there's also things like Interweave's just come out with their holiday gifts issue, and I think Vogue has their holiday issue out, though I don't know how much accessory sort of gifty stuff they have in it, so I haven't actually seen that one yet. There are a lot of options. So, so if you're doing holiday knitting, or if you know anybody who has a birthday in December, and you're determined to do knitting for them, or other sort of special knitting for them, do not panic. Take a deep breath. But this is the time to get your button gear. Yes. <laughs> Take a deep breath. And go. You don't want to be that person on uh, 3 a.m. on Christmas Eve, sitting in front of the tree and weeping because whatever you're knitting is just not turning out. No, let's avoid that if we can. After dousing yourself with eggnog. And the uh, sock is transformed somehow into a fishing net instead. Or, one good suggestion, there's always being selfish and not knitting for people. <laughs> yes, there is always that option. You do not have to knit every hand knit, hand knit gift, especially for people who will not appreciate it. Yes, there is always the options of not to play. Which is generally what I do. If someone really wants me to knit something for them, I will. But they have to voice that really wanting me to knit something for them first. Yeah, fair enough. And we would like to take this moment to uh, thank the people who have made a couple donations trust me guys I am planning like within the next two weeks to just 
buy a microphone. Yep, we are. And we just put it on my credit card, and then, you know, any donations we get in will just go back towards paying off my credit card, because this is getting annoying. We figured out it's probably because the mic is overheating. But yeah, so hopefully we'll not have these interruptions <laughs> very soon. But anyway. Alright, so people, I hope your Halloween was good. I hope y'all are still riding the sugar high. Wee Chocolate! Wee Antibiotics! And we will see you next week, okay? Have a good week! Bye! Thanks for listening. To visit our show notes, listen to old episodes, or leave something in our tip jar for our microphone fund, you can visit us at knit1geek2.emptypockets.org. That's K-N-I-T-1 G-E-E-K 2.mt-p-o-c-k-e-t-s.org. You can also comment on our Ravelry group. Just search the Ravelry groups for Knit One Geek 2. We're also on Twitter. You can find us at www.twitter.com slash knit1geek2. Have a good week, everybody.